tuning in to Manage the Moment, Conversations in Performance Psychology. I'm Dr. Sari Shepard. A lot of people ask, how are you not scared? Are you kidding me? I'm scared all the time. Like, I'm literally terrified a majority of the time. Like, I, I explain that it's like, I think the people like me and the people like these guys I've mentioned kind of just found a way to have a healthy relationship with that fear and learn how to kind of live with it and use it as kind of like a chisel to make yourself a little bit more precise, a little bit more well thought out. And when it's not when it's full time, it, it's kind of what keeps me in that focus and that zone. Mitchie Brusco is someone who is well acquainted with fear. In fact, he's one of those athletes who faces realistic fears and risks nearly every day of his life, both as a professional skateboarder and in his more recent pursuit of skydiving, having logged over 940 jumps at the time of this recording. Mitchie is also someone who has done things that no one else on the planet has done, like landing a 1260 in a skateboard big air competition. As Mitchie pushes the progression of skateboarding farther than anyone else has done before, he has learned to build trust in himself as a performer, as an athlete, and as a human being. I recently sat down with Mitchie outside on a summer evening in Orange County, California, for what may be the most in-depth interview he has given. And in these moments, Mitchie describes his process, his preparation, and how he gets his mind into the moment when everything needs to come together in a competition. Hey, Mitchie. How you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well. Good. Thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for having me and reaching out. I'm pretty excited to sit down and, and chat for a bit. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, too. You're not only um, an action sports athlete who's won X Games gold, but you're also an innovator. It, it sounds to me, from what I know about you, that you want to be able to constantly push things forward. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, you say, like, action sports athlete and... I mean, you say innovator, but it's like, to me, it's like been the same process. Like one without the other, it never would have been a thing. I think the things that got me into those contests, the things that made that path possible was kind of trying to do different things. You know, I wasn't like, I was following footsteps and taking advice and I was like really paying attention but when it come time, I'd try something else. I'd try to, okay, well, everyone can do this. I can do this now. So obviously it's go time. And as a little kid, that made a lot of sense. It's go time. Try to learn something. One step, you know, more. And then, so that kind of opened the door. And then I've just tried to stay with that idea that, like, what got me here is kind of what I should keep doing. And, like, yeah, just don't be predictable and keep, keep pushing. So you're you're a creative athlete. I mean, you're not just doing what you're told to do. You're also wanting to think about how you can expand things. Yeah, I mean, I don't like, I don't, I am getting better as I get a bit older. I'm getting better at really grinding some specific tricks and things that I really need to have consistently. But doing the same thing over and over for me is not, not what I look forward to. So, like, always trying to expand and try new things. Yeah, it's just, basically, it's keeping myself entertained and kind of, it's now within the realm of competing in the, at, like, a high level in skateboarding. But 
how do I keep doing that and stay just blissfully entertained the like a majority of the time it's kind of like you're forced to try to learn new things because it's just going to get monotonous in no time so which motivates you more the the entertaining yourself and pushing yourself or the competition they work they work together uh if i wasn't getting ready to compete i would not push myself as hard and i would not open those doors to then be ready to try these new things that I want to. So it's kind of like within the process of working, let's say I do work on a run for four months, five months. By about halfway through, I'm like, man, I need to add something. And I'm like, I can't do the same. I'm, I'm doing three tricks that are exactly, they're different, but in my head they start to feel the same because they kind of work from the same origin, I guess. And it's like, that's not okay we got to add something new in one of those tricks. So all of a sudden now I'm learning different ways to get through this like run that I built that I worked super hard on. So that's where the consistency and that's where the contest comes in. And then, then I start picking at my brain. Once I get it down, once I do it well enough, it's like, it doesn't, it just doesn't stop there. I, it's like, I, I can't physically work on something the same, like beyond reason. Like some people are like super good at that. But once it gets to a certain point and I got it down, like, okay, grind it for a couple of weeks. And then I just naturally, I start changing things and adding things. And I think that's important in a subjective sport to do things that excite you. Because if you're getting judged, that excitement is like, uh, what's the word? That excitement, it, it, people feed off of it and it kind of like you can feel it and a judge can feel it and the crowd can it's like if you're doing something you do all the time it's like sometimes it doesn't have the same effect so I think everything kind of has a nice like relationship with each other to kind of keep the process you know kind of sound there is this sense of the crowd being a big part of what happens and even if you've seen the same sick trick done um a couple years in a row, three years in a row, it, it might be like intense to watch and, and, and a sick trick to do, but you still kind of get the sense that it's been done before. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the crowd gets a little bit more mellow. It, it's just, it's a little bit more predictable, even if it's a really, really difficult run. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like anything. If you go to a, a comedy show and then you go again, I mean, if you've heard the punchline before, it's not going to be a new memory it's not going to be a, something that sticks with you and i think that's something that like action sports specifically and skateboarding it, i think has been so beautiful because growing up i have so many memories because i watched these people i look up to create memories like for themselves and i kind of feel like i shared that and it like pushed me to now be in the, the spot that i'm in and so going in and repeating something is like, it's a good strategy and it works and it's fun and you can do it for a long time and you can, you know, and you need to pay the bills, you need to stay healthy and it is awesome. You're watching it, it is awesome. But it never will match the moment of something new happening. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, it's, I do. It's never gonna match that. 
And it's interesting just how your culture is so different than my generation, right? Because you were born in 97. Seven, yeah. So when Tony Hawk's 900 was in 99. Mm -hmm. so, so as long as you can remember, you've seen this kind of outcome in your sport. 900s right? were, have happened before I ever stepped on a skateboard. Yes. So yes. first time I stepped on a skateboard, I knew technically, you know, 900s could be done. Which is so crazy for someone like me who all of a sudden, what's what's X Games? Like when I grew up, there was no such yeah, thing, right? that's a good point. So it's, it's really different for my generation to see the progression as being something outside of our scope, outside of the world. And then here's this phenomenon that now is, now it's a part of our culture, but, that's a good point. but there was a beginning for us, right? But for yeah. you, it's always existed. Like the, like the origin, you're like, you were there for the origin and you're there for the beginning and the start and like the trials and figuring out what the sport is and if it belongs on a big stage or not, or big big ramps came into play somewhere along the way you know 99 2005 like big air started and you know all these new things and these are times when i'm i'm just coming up on a skateboard i'm like watching you know i'm four years old five years old and i'm watching danny way do mega ramp and i'm watching tony hawk do 900s and i'm watching these people push the boundaries so i mean Ever since I was a kid, I was like, yeah, people do 540s, they flip their board, they do 900s, they compete, this is a thing. You know, it just always was, I was just, I guess, at the perfect at the perfect time. And had somehow, with no one in my family ever skateboarding, ever being involved, somehow I got my eyes on the right content for me. It probably gave you a different sense of what's possible. Oh, I mean, it definitely shaped, like, I watched very few skate videos growing up, and they were so different. Like, the DC video with Danny Way doing Mega Ramp, and I'd watch almost round three with Day Wan Song doing flat ground tricks and kickflips and manuals, and, you know, and, and those two extremes kind of fascinated me a lot more than, than like, going down eight stairs and doing a trick or hitting a rail like for some reason like the two those two outliers was always what I was watching when I was five six years old and it's now how I skate I'm either doing you know I'm either 50 feet in the air or skating vert or preparing for a contest or when I mess out around at the skate park I'm on I'm on the manual pad I'm playing skate on flat ground I'm like I, 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 I struggle in the in-between zones. It's really weird. Like, where everyone seems to exist in skateboarding, I kind of am um, on the other... I, it's, I can't... For some reason, I'm kind of on the, on the weird cusps of what I like to do. Well, as I came to know a little bit more about your background, it, that's not just true with skateboarding, right? Because you also... So tell me a little bit about the, the, um, the jumping you do. Oh, uh, with, with skydiving, man. So growing up within action sports, I mean, I say within action sports because I was obsessed with it. I wasn't like growing up in like at X games every year when I was super young, but I was for some reason just like vert skating was, I could do that. I knew I could do it. It was the, I can't explain it. Um, and then I'd see guys like, Travis Pastrana and Bob Rehnquist 
and Matt Hoffman and these names who are so like huge in X Games who sometimes go skydiving or base jumping or flying parachutes or landing on the ramp and then skating the contest or you know doing these doing these things that that so I think through that process once I started competing once I started skating and you know started to feel like hey I kind of have some of this like some of that juice I have like kind of you know all the kids I was skating with aren't at these contests now and like everyone I grew up with is kind of seeming to go a different route and I'm kind of getting more and more in this zone of competing and like doing a good job that I think I had so much faith in myself and I built that trust and I started to feel like with those guys you know and then I turned 18 and I did a tandem skydive just a normal one just like I think a lot of people have that story I think a lot of people turn 18 and do a skydive I didn't expect anything from it. Went with a couple of friends, it was cool, and that was it. And as soon as that parachute opened, and I was sitting there with uh, with this kid called Mikey, who took me on my tandem, and we landed, and I started asking questions. <laughs> like, how do, how do I start? What's going on? And I, I was back in three days learning mm. learning how to, no question is it hard is it this is it that I was like where do I start have you ever asked those questions though when you're thinking about progression and developing new tricks do you ever ask if it's hard um everything is hard there's not there's not one thing that I've done that I'm proud of or that usually on a daily basis that's genuinely easy so I think you just get used to pushing through that. Every, a lot of people ask me, it's, it's actually, it makes me very curious. A lot of people ask me, how are you not scared? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm scared all the time. Like I'm literally terrified a majority of the time. And like I, I explained that it's like, I think the people like me and the people like these guys I've mentioned kind of, just found a way to have a healthy relationship with that fear and learn how to kind of live with it and use it as kind of like a chisel to make yourself a little bit more precise, a little bit more well thought out. And when it's time, when it's go time, it, it's kind of what keeps me in that focus in that zone. It's like, so I do ask all the time, is it so, so much of this stuff is so dumb. It's like, (laughs) but that need that like the the I didn't choose to want these things like it almost sucks sometimes to be in these positions like dude I'm gonna try a 1260 today like I was so excited two months ago and now it's time and I'm like "Uh uh-uh but you learn how to push through those and you learn how to feel if it's right or if it's wrong or and I mean that comes with mistakes but hopefully they're not too bad and you say I'm not feeling it today. I don't have to do this. It's not the day. I'm staying on the ground. I'm not going to skydive. I'm not going to skate mega. I'm not going to go to this vert. I'm not going to do a 900 in this contest. Like, those days happen. And they kind of slip under the radar. And so I think having, like, a a healthy relationship with fear is probably, I think, the di- a difference maker for sure. 
makes a lot of sense. And it also makes sense that you find a way to focus on what you're about to do as a way to tune out the fear. Yeah. So you become hyper-focused on executing your tricks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, usually I'll focus on a couple of really simple things that I know if I do those things right, even if I don't land it, even if something happens, if I hit spot one with this speed and I take off and it feels like this and I keep my my key thought, you know, throughout the whole thing, I'll be fine. And just whenever uh, something else comes in, if, if I'm not comfortable with that process, kind of shift it a little bit. Okay, think of it like this. Take off. Think about spinning as hard as you can on takeoff. Oh, that's really scary. I don't know. That means no touch, no anything. Kind of re reframe it. Okay, relax and take off smooth. It's like, okay, I like that. Just take off smooth and hold it. Okay, smooth and hold it. And then kind of all of a sudden it feels good. And then it's time and you go. And then before you know it, you're standing there. It's over. You're okay. And you're like, okay, I trust it a little bit more now. I trust it just a little bit more now. And it's kind of like you play that game and then, you know, when it's time, you stand up on it. It's kind of like always kind of been the, for me, I guess. No, but that makes sense because you're focused on the process of executing your skill. And when you talk yourself through it, you use some cue words. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some key words, like you said, so that even though the trick might not last long in terms of seconds, you're able to break it down into a few key things that you focus on to yeah. work your way through it. Yeah, and, and it just that I think that feeling of safety and comfort and, you know, I think if you can find that within the, within the moments of, like, all this fear, because it doesn't go away. The fear does not go away. But if you can find those little moments, like, if I do this, you know, if I take off this way, I'll be fine. And then you know you can take off that way. You're like, every time you get scared, you're like, I can do this, though. You know, you're kind of this battle. Do it. Do it right. But you also can do it. And then just not letting that eat you alive kind of and staying kind of on it and then the thing i've gotten better at with more experience is when i'm in the air when i'm skateboarding to know if it's good or bad right because when you're first learning a bunch of these tricks you have no idea it feels like i'm leaning back a little bit it's like is that good or bad? Like you're going to come in and the only way to know is try to land a couple. You know, you fall forward sometimes. You lean too far forward. You felt it in the air, but you didn't know what it meant. And then so now when it came to a 1260, I was spinning. I got through 900 and I was like, no alarms were going off in my head. I was almost like in my like I was literally thinking like, like really like is this the one like there's literally there's nothing wrong with it like you know I was coming around I got through 900 I had that last spin that like that was the one that was giving me the most trouble in my head and I got there and it just looked good it felt good I was like man we're here and there's nothing wrong with it you know and like I think that's just from experience of being in similar places and I've made stuff way worse than that. Way more put myself in such a bad spot on a 540. 
take off, leaning too far forward, pop out, wind too high, it's windy, didn't take account anything, and land it. And you're like, whoa, I got lucky on that one. And But, like, it's almost like if it's a scarier trick that you don't know, it has to be even better. And it kind of, like, I don't know, there was nothing wrong with it. There was no... So you knew on that last rotation that you were going to land it? Pretty much since I took off. I mean... Oh, since you took off. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I was like, it felt good. And then as I came, as I got to 900, it was like, then I could see it. I could see the landing. I knew I was like in the perfect spot. I knew the spin was just not over rotated. And it was almost like just surreal. Like that moment lasted forever. That last, that last rotation... Usually, when I tr- would try a 1260, the last rotation would last forever because my back, it feels like my back is to the ramp forever. But the one I made, I felt like I looked at where I was going to land, and I just, that is what sticks out in my head. That, like, that visual of seeing that this is going to work right now. Like, this just worked, you know? And it kind of feel like everything froze in that in that moment, for sure. So your aerial awareness was was just hyper that day oh for for sure i mean uh yeah there's no there's no question i mean i watched the video and i'm blown away and i think about it now and i wouldn't want to go try anything close to that you know it's like getting back to normal and people have probably asked you if it felt like slow motion um actually nobody nobody has asked that um it felt really consistent that's I think that's what sticks out to me because a lot of the attempts on the 1260 I tried four before that right two in Shanghai months before and then two in that same contest right before I made it and the spin felt like I'd speed up and slow down and speed up and slow down within within the spin and the one that I made felt that had a really nice pace all the way through so I don't know if that means slow motion I just think that means I wasn't in a rush I think that means I wasn't trying to skip anything. I was just kind of hanging out, kind of knew that I would get around. And the, when I turned my back to the ramp that last time, I wasn't freaking out. And then I saw it, and it was good. So maybe slow, but I think I was just patient enough. That's a great description. Yeah. yeah. And so most people listening are going to know what you're talking about, but for those who don't, so mm. so the 1260 of course is three and a half rotations. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, uh, the the bigger contest in Minneapolis just a couple of weeks ago. It was in uh, was it end of July, was it? Man, it's four weeks ago. It feels like an eternity. <laughs> it was this month. It's all in, in August, August third. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, skateboard, uh, big air, 1260 on the quarter pipe, uh, three and a half rotations, and uh, it got silver because the, the way the – so I won the year before in, in big air, and then this year it got silver because it's scored half on the quarter pipe and half over the gap, and I did a really easy gap trick to set up for it. Okay. So I maxed out the score on the quarter and kind of had a dud on the, on the gap, which – was worth it for me. I mean, you know my style, and you know, like, let's do something else. Well, obviously, I assumed you won the gold. Forgive me for forgetting that. No, it's it's fine. It's like a lot of people have that question, and I really don't like, how did you not win? It's like, I care pretty much zero, because I could technically, 
I could have won and not have had this opportunity or so many opportunities from it and so many cool conversations that I would I, I think I will always choose if the if it's there I will always choose the route of something new for me something new in the contest something fresh something fun than trying to do an equation to win something so you've you've won a goal before I know so when you compare the two this this is more meaningful to you they're exactly the same because I did it. I did a 1080 for, yeah, you for did a 1080. and I got yeah. gold. And right. to me, you know, being the only person to do a 1080 in, in a mega ramp con- contest is cool. But for me, it's like I didn't know if I could do that. So that was like something that was fresh. Yeah, throw a gold medal on. I'm not complaining, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but I think they're equally as special. And without one, without that 1080. A 1260 never would have crossed my mind. And just the same way that, you know, a 1260 happens, you start scratching your head. You're like, well, kind of blew the lid off of that one. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a kid out there who's three years old who just watched a 1260 happen, which that's that was me with the 900s. Right. Right. And, you know, a 900 happens, everyone goes, that's it. Mm mm. That's, we got there. We did the most. Okay, and well, now someone did a 1080. It's like, nope, all right, now we're done. Now we're 10. And then now a 1260 happens, and the same thing. It's like, we can't go anymore. We did 1260s. But there's some kid out there who now knows that if he wants to do 1260s, he can. And so it's like that you can't compare a, you know, a gold to a silver or this year or that year. It's like they're different. They're different memories. They're different things, and it's just kind of like – that one opened the door to the next. I mean, I love the contest I was a complete dud in as well because it showed me what mistakes I made. You know, it's like there's not any good without the bad. That's for sure. And you keep learning. Oh, never stop. Right. Never stop. Even getting silver or gold or whatever, it's like you learn every time. And, I mean, if you're not learning... I mean, I get bored. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure. imagine knowing everything. Like, what would you do? Right. Like, you are not going to get paid enough as a coach to know everything. It's not going to help you anywhere in life. So, if I don't learn anything on my skateboard, I learn off. I think that's where I've learned the most growing up a little bit like growing up as in like once I turned 18 I moved out and all this stuff and I kept competing like I am way more focused and my schedule is way tighter and I'm way stronger and healthier and dialed in than I was when I was 16 17 when I lived at home because it's like it's now if if I'm gonna do this it's my it's my decision so preparing for contests is where I've learned the most I work out, I eat right, I go to the ramp these days during the week, work on these runs, work on this. And that, I think, is where I've learned so much. Every contest, it motivates me more and more. Because no matter how hard I work, I get there and I'm like, I could have worked harder. You know, and it's kind of been a slow. I used to prepare one month, one month super hard, get a rundown. Ooh, I could have done a little more. Two months. This year I did five months four months five months straight getting ready for x games 
same ramp, same people, same runs. And I get there and I'm like, I'm not ready for this. Like, so now I'm just trying to be more even keeled and consistent coming off of X Games a month ago, less. And I'm on my schedule, you know, I'm in the gym, I'm at the ramp skydiving i'm a little bit more relaxed than skating super way more relaxed you know i'm still like coming down but my goal is to be more consistent for closer to eight to ten months even if it's for one contest than you know the last three kind of peak uh you know so sometimes you learn a foot placement sometimes you learn a trick but lately i've just been learning that like managing your time and managing your your mental mentality and your mental health and not letting all these like influences around you eat at your at your energy or your time or your motivation just kind of keep it easy and just stay consistent and then 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 hit it hard and your foundation will just be better and and better you take responsibility for yourself as an athlete for sure yeah i mean I, I can hear that but you also have like you described i'm sure a lot of people who have expectations for you so you've been skating since you were skateboarding since you were um three the little guy yeah, yeah since you were a little guy but you already had expectations on you by the time you were five yeah for sure um and i've i'm used to it i've always been a skateboarder i've always been a competitor and the day I don't want to compete, I won't. And I've always preached that. And it is so true. Like, I love that people believe in me enough to where they think it's easy for me. You know, that, that happens. Some, some friends or acquaintances maybe I don't know so well. Or, you know, sometimes even in my family. Sometimes it's like, you know... They just, you know, show up to a contest and be like, yeah, I mean, this is what you, this is what he does, you know, and I can tell, <laughs> and that's fine. Where for me, it's like that's awesome that you guys have this like faith in me, the blind faith that, you know, I, it's a blessing to be that consistent. But to me, it's very much a real thing and for me. And I think that was evident, like, you know, I made the 1260. If you watch a video, I almost had no reaction. Yeah, I remember that. And. Well, even the caster, even Graham was like, wait, what, what just happened? They were confused. Yeah. Everyone was confused. <laughs> and I was confused. And, and I think I was so in my, in my zone and it was so for me that I did it. And I was just kind of like, it was a mixture between a pat on the back to myself and also, like, I worked so hard and I put so much energy and effort into this one thing and it's over. It's like, it was almost like a more of a hard goodbye than a, than a real party. It's like, dude, it's like in a superhero movie. If he just kills the, the villain, what do you do? What are you going to be a superhero for? And it kind of felt like I just, I put it to bed. And I was like, wow, like, this kept me up for months like breakdowns and so sessions alone and eating at my whole life and like getting like making relationships harder making my like family life home life like skating like it was stressing everything out and then 
I did it. And it was like good. And it was it wasn't easy, but it it worked. And then it was just like damn, like it's over. And it was so like for me that I was like if I would have thrown a board in there, it would have been so fake. <laughs> you know, I, I I walked down the ramp. I was happy to I gave my roommate a hug. And that's about all that all that happened and ever since i've just had a little smile on my face and that's like i'm totally cool with that that more of a like even keeled kind of come down but that probably helps you though right because if it's if it's more of a roller coaster yeah. um and if if you have a hard time letting go of something you're not going to be looking forward and i know some people who thrive like that who are just an absolute mess, a roller coaster. And when they're on, they're so on. And when they're off, they're off. Where I have a lot of average days. I have a lot of really good average days. And I like that. And I built such a strong shell around myself, like an emotional shell. I was so strong. I mean, I still am, but for that moment, I was so strong, so relaxed, so smooth that, like, if I made it, if I didn't, if I got hurt, if I won, I don't think I would have fluctuated much. It was, like, just the real slow release after was really nice because it went a good way and not a bad way. Sure. But I was so solid and where I was my my state I guess that you know doing a 1260 didn't really knock me out of that it was like it was like I look at it like holding your follow-through on like a on like a golf swing like if I was if I was this close to freaking out and losing it it would have never it would have never happened I was going to ask if that's what helps you trust yourself more the fact that you're kind of solid. I've used the same thing for so long. I understand, like, I almost lost it, right? Right before the contest, I almost lost it. But I didn't. But I knew I almost lost it, and I started talking to myself. And I started, I was like, I was, it was too intense, and I was more numb than I was comfortable. And it's easy to not know, not notice that. Where, you know, when you are comfortable, when you are in the zone, you are numb to a lot of things. You know, freaking Obama could walk by and my eyes are on the ramp. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, there, you are numb to a lot of these things that normally you would catch your attention. Yeah. But it was like numb in a way where I wasn't genuinely five minutes before the contest. I was not ready. And then I just told myself like dude like I was completely alone I had my own zone I was just like whatever you are feeling like please like feel it now like it's like time to like something's gonna happen soon like you know in that moment I was just like flushed with all this like overwhelming emotion and it was just like this huge spike and then you know and that made me more comfortable I was like I felt human again like it was me feeling though it wasn't these outside pressures 
that I was like, kind of, I wasn't like making any decisions because someone else, oh, do a 1260 because, oh, this or that or the expectations since I was three years old, you know, your whole life flashes before your eyes. And I felt so much that I was like, it was so for me and it was so clear that it was for me and it was the right time. And then kind of like, it's unpredictable, but I used that huge spike and come down and then, you know, you can feel more relaxed after that. Right. And then I felt kind of euphoric because I was like, you know, the hard part was already over and now the contest is about to start and I just go rip a couple, you know, and it kind of simplified everything. And, but allowing that was where it happened. It wasn't, it wasn't afterwards where I think most people that would kind of be the process that was already over with that that huge flux and emotion and and confusion and everything and feeling and you're tingling and crying and being like what is going on and then then you're back to normal and I think that once I once I evened out it was so possible and it just got a little bit easier with each attempt and a little bit more relaxed and then you know, by the by the third go, I trusted it, and I knew I could do it, and I was good, and I looked up, and I was, I was back to, you know, I wasn't this stressed out person. I was like, I was focused, and I was relaxed, and you know, I, I the trust was there. That's so important, and then it was over, and I was just sitting, I was just standing there, like, dude, you just went through that, and you came out on top, like, good on you. That's an awesome description of your mindset, though, and the, the way you're able to, to narrow your attention to what was about to take place, because it was all over the place, right? Yeah. And I remember watching you when you were 14 at, at your first X Games, and just the look on your face, I remember like just thinking, oh my gosh. But then you came through it, and it was so obvious that you were learning, mm -hmm. like as you were going. Mm -hmm. um, and not to take away from anything you did, because it was awesome, but like, just to see, I mean, I could see that you were just learning as you were going. And I still am. And like, there's no shame in, in that. I'm going to make so many mistakes and that's fine. You get a couple right and hopefully that it does you well, you know. But I think it's a slow, you know, I don't snap in or out of any zones or any yeah shit slows down when it's time like for sure it gets more intense but the weeks before it's just things start to change you, what you care about starts to change what you what you what i worry about if i like little things if i wake up and i'm tired i don't care because right. i'm going to here and i'm working on this and you slowly kind of to me I slowly kind of creep into this zone by the time I'm on the flight going to whatever contest I'm a brick wall like there's like I'm I'm a happy go lucky kid smiling more times than not and running around and being stupid and skating <laughs> around and you know like I just met like a 12 year old at the park who had a skateboard and we were like alling over a trash can and like <laughs> you know like that is cool but like by the time I get on the plane to go to a contest I'm so far in like step one I guess of, or step two or three in that zone that's like 
it just keeps narrowing. And then afterwards, it's not like it just ends. And I think like after the 1260 is a great example because it wasn't, it's not like it's over and you can just snap out of it. It's been like, I was so deep that it's like yeah. weeks I bet. of kind of re coming back to like life, I guess. Like, and speaking of Ollie's, so when you, when you knew you were going to do one over Conan O'Brien's head, <laughs> what, what kind of nerves and fear uh, enters your mind when it's not just about you potentially getting injured, but somebody Man. else? I mean, that one's on him. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll be fine, dude. Are you sure you want to stand there? Like, you're six feet tall and add a couple inches because of the hair. It's like... That kind of stuff is is fun. The risk is different. Sure. But without you, like, it's more of, like, fear of embarrassment than it is, like, fear of double femuring. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yes. So it's, it's a little bit less. It's a little bit di- different. You know, there's less preparation and less, like, you know, seriousness. But those kind of things, like you get used to pushing right you get used to doing something that makes you a little bit makes you question just a little bit and like i think that's a huge key once you can once you can oh whoa get nervous question yourself a little bit and then be like oh yeah cool and it's ready and i think that's where a lot of people get kind of backwards you know a breakaway layup in a basketball game you're completely alone you see the hoop (gasps) how do i do I put this leg? And then some people are like, all right, I just went through that. Now I'll just put it in the hoop, you know? And I think you just get used to that kind of get pressure in your own thing. And for me, it's just like skateboarding on, on ramps for some reason. I like it though. I like, I live for the moments, those kind of moments. I feel very comfortable. I have like, I think instead of trying to get away from those moments or avoid that, I think I put myself there in times that I shouldn't, right? I'm at home, I'm in normal places with normal people and trying to have a conversation and my head's just like, dude, you're going to be standing on this ramp in three months and you're going to be this and thinking this. Did you prepare right? Oh, wait, okay, wait, I'm around people. I'm, you know, a lot of times I'm home alone with a notebook making no like pinning each trick I want to do in a run to my wall and then like visualizing each one or watching videos of old runs and just cringing and being like I never want to look like that again and just kind of like living with that like those little write a trick pin it on the wall get that feeling I couldn't I can't do that 10 times in a row and then you wake up and you're like you know you get used to those those little fears I think so does mentally rehearsing it help you get used to that? Yeah, I think I do that more than anyone, for sure. I've always wrote, writ, written things down, and I've always been very visual and different processes. I mean, one one thing that's stayed very consistent is I'll pin, pin my run to my wall for months. Sometimes I'll write... I'll have each trick on one piece of paper so it's its own separate pin. So, like, I know, to me, that's like a marker. I use that kind of as a marker to see if that trick makes me feel weird. 
right? Because if, if I'm taking it seriously and I write 540 and I pin it on the wall and I'm really comfortable with it, cool, right? And you'll know. And then you say, one trick, a nollie barrel hill flip. It was in a weird part in the run and that one was hard for me and I miss it a lot. And I put it in the wall and I was like, ooh, I got to work on that one, you know? And then sometimes I'll do it again the next day. Sometimes I'll have stacks of three or four stacked on each other, pinned in the same spot of the same tricks. Sometimes I'll put them in my pillowcase and sleep and then I'd move around, I hear it scrunch and the whole list goes through my head. And just little things like that where I kind of try to live in it. And it's, it's annoying for people, other people, <laughs> who don't understand, you know, if I'm like having headphones on, writing notes, walking in circles, they're like, are you okay? You know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm great. But it's part of what helps you to compete at your level. And I think it's great for people to hear about your preparation because there is so much that, that goes into being top in your sport. You know, obviously you don't just show up and, and, and start trying tricks, which of course everybody knows, but I don't think everyone knows the mental side of the preparation for it. It's not just the physical, it's also, it's also largely mental. Yeah, and that's just how I'm wired, right? I pick up a golf club. Like, I don't know what's important and what's not. <laughs> you know, I, I played a lot of video. Like last year I built a computer, picked up a mouse and keyboard, never played on it. Played like... 1600 hours in a year to get my hands to work how I want it. Pick up a golf club, and until I can shoot in the 80s, nothing else exists. Are you shooting in the 80s? I mean, I can sometimes. All right, awesome. And so I'm juggling a golf ball in my room and watching videos and grabbing a stick or a club or this or visualizing where the ball goes. And, you know, it just happens that skateboarding, I've done it long enough to where those same techniques are taking me to places that people really haven't been. Where in most things, I'm just like a quick learner because mentally I'm so like focused and obsessive and I, I do things I genuinely love and I love them so much I do it all the time. And it's like focus I think is the hardest game for me to play. And if I can focus on skate, and I think that's what I did so good this last year, I focused on skating better than ever. Six months straight I took six months off of skating and then six months so that's the only thing that existed stop playing video games I mean as much maybe an hour a couple you know twice a week which for me is absolutely nothing (laughs) six months of skating I didn't skydive I barely flew in a tunnel skated every day five days a week Monday through Friday and I went home and I wrote notes and I made this and I made plans and I watched videos and and that's kind of that's the hardest game for me to play is focus and now since I've been so focused after the contest it's really nice to just do it for fun skate and you know yesterday I woke up had a had a personal training like my personal trainer to work out at eight I skated from 9.15 to 9.45 in the morning alone because I knew, like, if I wanted to get a session in, that's what I had to do. Then I went got coffee and breakfast with, with some friends, went skydiving, went and flew in the wind tunnel right after, and I went home and played video games. And then I woke up so tired today. and But being able to do that now is... Like, that's the reward, I think, because 
my anxiety for at least a little bit is gone because I worked so hard, I did my thing. Now my day can be super spread thin, which I really like jumping from one thing to the next and right, staying entertained and staying, but slowly I'll have to start bringing that back down to where my day is gonna look more like working out. Hopefully I can grab breakfast with a friend and then go skate, not from 9.15 to 9.45, but from 11 to two, 11 to three, then hang out and think and then, and then decide, okay, is my night, am I gonna fly in the wind tunnel or am I gonna play an hour of video game? Like kind of having to make these decisions, these small sacrifices. It's like you can do one skydive on Wednesday morning if you wake up early enough, you know, kind of getting that schedule dialed in. But right now, do it all. Do everything, a little bit of everything. Just have fun and like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's an interesting way that I've found to stay just so fresh and passionate. Yeah, and balanced. I mean, because even though you're intense about what you do, you found a way to bring things into your life that, that keep you balanced. You're not just thinking about skateboarding all the time. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's my main killer. Okay, I say focus is hard for me, but focus is hard because I get so bored. Like, I can love something so intensely and just put it down and be done with it once I am. And having other things that keep me keep me fresh and not... And I'm not saying, like, sometimes I jump out of an airplane to stay fresh. It's like I have something that I treat as important as skateboarding, sometimes more important, that makes me a different person, a whole different person, a whole new me. And then all of a sudden I remember, oh, I can skateboard. I can do this stuff. Oh, let me pick up a board. A couple of my friends I haven't talked to are going after a couple of months, go step on a board and then you're back and you're like, wait, this is me. And then you're like, oh my, and then you're fresh and you're like, oh, I forgot about this side. And it's like, I think compartmentalizing these sports for me is really like, this week has been tunnel flying. Like today I got an hour of coaching. I was getting coached for an hour straight and that was, that's Wednesday to Sunday, every day an hour straight and I show up there early and I watch videos and I make notes and go, go, go. I get out. I watch that session. I make more notes. I ask questions. I make a list. I make a plan, get back in, you know, Wednesday to Sunday, boom, every day. And then when that's over, I kind of snap out of it and I'm like, wait, that's not even my thing. Like, and I treat it so seriously that it's like, get back on my skateboard. And it's like, I love this so much and it's so much and the thing is skateboarding is hard physically but it's so much easier mentally than almost anything I know how to do because I I know myself so well yeah because you've been doing it since you could run practically so yeah. it's like it's therapeutic in that way where even if I can't do something I know why and I know how to fix it and even if I can't fix it right now I will work on getting my foot like this and opening my hip like that and putting my head here and there's no stress. And it's like so nice in that way. But then it's nice to go to something new like tunnel flying where I need someone else doing that for me. Hey, your foot's like this. You got to turn more here. You came in late. You were this. Your timing's off. And 
where I can feel that in skating. And I, and so like golf is the same thing. You know, I take lessons and I do these things. I play with my dad and I go try to make a hundred three footers in a row and just torture myself and have no idea what's going on. And then it puts it in a perspective like, wow, okay, I am good at skating. Like, but only cause I understand it only cause I've spent hours and hours and hours, you know, where I, I can kind of just coach, coach myself a lot. And I like that. But you've also spent hours and hours and hours with skydiving and, and now with esports, right? So mm-hmm. aren't you wanting to compete in both of those areas as well? Well, and lo and behold, <laughs> I mean, I have over 900 skydives in, the, in four years and over 100 hours in the wind tunnel. And I should be able to double that within this calendar year, which is an insane opportunity. And then... As f- and I have a tunnel competition coming up in October that I've just put together a, a four-way team and a two-way team. So I'll be in two different disciplines. Awesome. Um, and I actually got to compete in an eSports event for ESPN just a couple of weeks before X Games. Which game was it? Uh, Apex Legends, which is a game that I love, but it's not like one that I'm playing like a whole lot. But I absolutely love it. And... The opportunity was great, and do you, the craziest thing what happened? I'm good at I'm I'm good at video games and shooters and stuff, but I'm pretty new with mouse and keyboard. And the same thing happened, like I turned it on. I was very good with my hands, my keys. I was like very methodical with the buttons and the sequences, and it was smooth and my aim was okay. It was good enough. I was hitting clutch shots and attacking when I needed to and and surviving and staying alive when other times and it was such a cool thing to be on stage with these streamers that I've known for a long time and watched. Yeah, because you're on Twitch, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm obsessed with Twitch. I stream myself and being with these guys that I see all the time and competing against them and killing some of them. It's like, you know, it makes it a reality and everyone's just having fun. It was for charity. It wasn't something anyone trained for. So everyone was laughing and it was a good time, but it opened that door. And so like, yeah, skating, skydiving, like as far as flying parachutes and then indoor skydiving, like body flying, indoor skydiving, competing in that and just flipping that switch in each of those sports is like, you know, I do it for a while for fun and then you go, okay, it's time. Like let's, let's compete. And as soon as that happens, the whole sport changes. Scary things get less scary hard things get less hard it's easier to be motivated for me and then it's like it's time and you just kind of shift from one to the next to the next like I'm totally present I don't take shortcuts I like learning the slow and methodical way because I know that when that's over it's gonna be go time and it's like I love when that happens and that just happened in in tunnel flying probably three months ago that shift happened where it's like I love this but I don't want to just fly around with no purpose anymore like it's like I want my feet a certain way I want my hips a certain way I want my eyes to see things like a competitor I want to know where I am not not sort of like I want to know exactly where I am and I want to know 
how to go fast, slow, in the middle, faster than fast, faster than that, fast. And, you know, it's like I love when that when that happens and it kind of happened naturally. And ever since I've been I was at the tunnel today and people were asking me, are you okay?" And it just made me laugh because in skateboarding, when I'm at a contest or I'm in practice, I hear all the time, oh, I saw you. I didn't want to bother you. You looked focused. And And I'm used to that. But the tunnel where I'm flying around, I've always been happy and go lucky and smiling and running around and poking fun and, you know, take your hat and run away. And today I walked in and I didn't say anything and I had my headphones and I was watching and I was had my notebook and, you know, people are like, hey, are you, is everything okay? And it's like, yeah, it's just you're not used to this side. No, that's a great description of the shift. Yeah. So people who might be used to you are the are the roommates that you have, right? Yeah. I, I work with some esports players that live in a house together. Yeah. And, and, of course, you have to adjust to being around someone else who does what you do because there's different personalities. Yeah. So I imagine the – was it six or seven of you that yeah. have different personalities? What's that like for you? Uh, they all know me very well, but I can feel the little bit of distance because everyone's a skateboarder right and half the time i'm not and they don't really venture out like that and it's really weird because i'll disappear for months at a time you know i'm in spain skydiving i'm sorry i missed your call like (laughs) you know yeah you you know what i I mean i do yeah so it's like oh are you gonna be are you gonna be competing are you gonna be and then like i said i don't just like go to the skate park it's like okay i'm back from wherever i was if it was skydiving tunnel flying video games or whatever golf you know i was on a golf trip to you know vegas like with my dad you know and then i come back and it's like it's not like i go hang out at the skate park it's like okay i'm gonna go get ready for x games now we're at i'm at the vert ramp at a warehouse alone at nine in the morning so it's like they all know me and i can tell that i've built a lot of trust in like they're less confused in the whole process, but it's like, it is, I'm very definitely on my own speed for sure. And you're comfortable that way. Way more comfortable. I mean, I, I've, I've lived a lot of moments naturally where it kind of lines up with other people's kind of rhythms and it only lasts for so long before my, my kind of, need for to change something kind of kicks in yeah and like I don't really like feeling like I would say I I don't like maxing out like there's only so much you can do if you're you know going to to a certain place every day or you know you kind of get into like this rhythm that you know you just know it's not gonna change it's not going anywhere and that's when I freak out and kind of change everything it's like I'm gonna go to this drop zone in this place alone see who I meet and I'll feel way better because then all of a sudden you're on a different rhythm and you get that imagination is sparked and you know that kind of stuff is like 
I always I feel like make that shift when it starts to get like monotonous or like dull in a way. But you're describing something that's really internal, right? Because yeah. some athletes have the expectation from their sponsors or their family or their coaches, and it, they're they're motivated by some of the external or the accolades, the praise. But you, and then also you, you know, you mentioned Matt Hoffman, Travis Pastrana. Mm-hmm. There's an there's an internal motivation. Yeah, and they're very uh, internal people as yeah. well. Bob Bernquist as well, and. Uh, I lost all, I, I shed it, I like to say, I shed it all my sponsors when I was 18. I had some good sponsors that wanted me to post certain things and go certain places, and that same thing happened, that same feeling where I was like, nope, sorry, like, I'm actually going to disappear for a while. Don't know why, but I like skydiving, so catch me in a couple of years when you realize that this whole thing is going to make sense and it wasn't a struggle it felt good there were times where I've looked back and I've been like "Ooh, maybe I should have made this work but then you get through it and you're like I've opened this door with iFly because I didn't have an energy drink sponsor I didn't have these things and I've had opportunities with Twitch and the streaming and the and the video games on ESPN because I can post video games on my Instagram. I can post 10, 10 videos of skydiving, a couple of things of tunnel flying, some video game clips. Someone asked if I've been skating. I said no, and no one cares. And it's like, and iFly is awesome because they believe in me. It's like oh, that's great. They're sk- the skateboarding's great. They didn't sign me because I was going to do a twelve sixty. They didn't know. That wasn't what it's about. I told him I was probably not going to do anything. Like, as long as that expectation is there, then it's, if you sign me with that, man, I'll be your favorite. And it's like, that's my one sponsor now. And it's like, they believe in me. I'm allowed to do whatever. And it's like, it's a storytelling business. It's not a, I'm not chasing a dragon of accomplishments of, you know, because, you know, I mean, knock on wood I'm I'm one mistake away from not doing what I do you know at a at the wrong time I got to take this contest off which is fine as long as that precedence is set and it's known and everyone is you know on board it's like dude but that's why you know I want to I want to have like my own podcast I like streaming I like doing these things that's like I'll have fun I'll figure it out like and I won't go anywhere that's for sure well that comes back to you being an innovator for sure yeah you've been awesome with your time and and we could keep talking but it it did get dark out here and for a while there were no lights so we're on a porch in the oc and it was pitch black for a while i kind (laughs) of didn't even even realize (laughs) yeah but but um that's that that's cool though because we were just having a good conversation so i have some questions that i ask everybody perfect um so if if it's okay with you please please so, Mitchie, what in life are you still curious about? I'm curious because I have so much to look back on already, which is insane at 22 years old. Like, I have a lifetime to look back on. I've lived an entire lifetime by 22, and I mean that. And the wisdom and the things that I've learned, it's like if I stay the course – the kind of the kind of intuition and the 
the little things I'll be aware of and the stories I'll have to tell and the life I have to look back on, I, th I think that's what is making me curious because my consistency has only done me good and I want to keep that so in another 10 years of whatever it is, it's like the road, the road is going to be wild and I know and I know that. So you're curious what else you can do, where else you can go. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So some people say that praise is more distracting because it's something to live up to, and other people say criticism. So what, what, what's more distracting to you? The thing that's most distracting is actually neither of those. The, the thing that's most distracting to me is the people who don't know what go is going on that's barely like oh i heard you did this like congrats and i don't know it's either i tell them my life story or i just say thank you and it's the most surface level thing ever and then it's over and it's like i don't know your name you don't really know me and what do we talk about now it's like i don't i think if someone genuinely compliments hey, like, what I saw you do motivated me in this area in my life. Like, to me, that's like a form of praise, and that makes me feel like you understand what I put into it. And if there's criticism, and it makes sense, and it's reasonable, which I've, I ask for, and, and I think I get the most criticism from the skaters who are really close to me because they know me and keep me in check and I ask for that and it's I'm thankful for it so those things kind of the criticism and the praise because there's both those kind of keep me in in line it's the kind of weird stuff in the middle that I don't know how to I, I wish that would go away I wish I was either hello my name's Mitch it's nice to meet you like what's your name how is your day it's like cool like you have a normal right and it's like that kind of stuff where it's just like I don't know how to navigate a normal conversation oh I heard you did this thing it's like I did a thing you know that, <laughs> yeah. so I would say that okay that's a great answer yeah that's that's a great answer as a skateboarder you obviously prepare for every for every run mm -hmm. uh, yet the unexpected happens what is something unexpected that has happened to you in your sport so within, I think what, what's happened unexpected, what, what has happened for me that's unexpected is the amount that I change when a contest starts. I can go in with absolutely no, there's no chance right now, right before the contest, zero chance that I could make half of these tricks. And then the contest starts, and all of a sudden, I can do everything. And that was so unexpected for me when I was young, and it's been really hard to learn how to manage that and not rely on it, but play into it. And so that has been super... When I was 14, I remember that being a really weird, unexpected thing that I like, okay, how do you, how do you prepare for for that moment because you know it's different than how you feel right now but you can't 
you only get those moments and it's basically a blackout so how do you you know what you know what i mean i do know what you mean yeah so i would say that so what is one comment or or tweet that still stands out to you whether it's because it's good or bad or for whatever reason i mean it could be something that someone says to you after a competition it could be something that just comes out of the blue uh when i was pretty young one of my i think second x games second x games yeah in LA, Lil Wayne tweeted me right after. He's like, Mitchie B going crazy. And that was like such an insane moment, right? Being, what, I was 14 maybe. It made my friends listen to Lil Wayne and stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, at that age, it's like, it's funny. I don't know. Um, and so that was like kind of getting attention from these weird places that you don't really expect. Yeah. How do you recover from failure? I fail every single day. I feel way more comfortable with failure than I do success because it happens so much more often that it makes me feel completely like I'm doing something right. Right? If I one like after X Games I did really good. I wanted to get home and get back to a ramp and try really hard at some things that I struggle with. Because that to me is is grounding and there's different levels of failure. Let's say X Games didn't go well. That would hurt, right? But it would boost my consistency. It would boost my work ethic because I know I made a mistake. There's no no one else to blame. And I like it. And sometimes I don't enjoy small pats on the back. I don't enjoy... If I'm not ready to pat myself on the back, I don't need a small compliment. I don't need a, hey, it happens. I know it happens. I know everyone fails. I know I'm going to fail a lot more. I know it's okay. It's like, just wait till I do it and we can we can smile you know and so i think living in that failure i i I like it i don't know i just like it that's an awesome perspective because i think so many people are afraid of failure um of course it's going to limit the risks that, that someone takes if they're afraid to fail yeah but you see it as not just a learning process but actually something that really benefits your life i mean it's like I've had so many instances where I'm absolutely terrible at something, first time doing it, and so comfortable with being terrible at it that it almost makes whoever's teaching me, like, chuckle. Like, I remember I got lessons from a golf coach, and I'm just standing there. He's like, okay, and says a couple of words I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> I was just like instead of... Instead of taking a swing, I was just like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I, he just was taken back because it's more important for a lot of people to fake that they know what's going on. Where to me, it's like, there's no shame. If people preach failure, Michael Jordan preach failure, Wayne Gretzky, and it's so, you know, overly done. And like, but the you either enjoy the grind or you don't. I think that's like a very simple, easy to understand. Either you enjoy the hard days or you don't. 
you know, everyone feels like a rock star sometimes, but the days you feel very normal, you either love it or it's very simple. And I think I look at those days as what most people would perceive as failure. I skated bad today. But is that a failure or is that part of the process? Is that Are you going to have good days and bad days? Are you going to have good contests and bad contests? It's like a joke my friend and I would always say when we could, we both would like get spikes of anxiety and freak out and you know teenagers and trying to figure everything out and one day he was like dude like today is not the day that everything falls apart right and and we don't and we'd always joke once we'd get into that go zone we'd sarcastically go today's the day <laughs> and it would and it would kind of snap us out of it because we'd realize like dude today's not the day that there's so there's everything in front of you so i mean you can use the word failure but to me it's like i love to get i love when i'm sore and in pain and struggling and sucking and it's fine it's just what it is it kind of just keep pushing that's awesome. I mean, that's that's a lot of wisdom from a 22-year-old, but I think it's going to be really helpful for people to hear your mindset and and help people to be able to maybe cope with their own failures a little bit better. I mean, I, I sure hope that, like, it that's what builds trust in yourself. Like, when you know you worked through, don't give up. Like, don't stop. But, you know, if it takes two years, five, seven, ten years, 15 years, it's like, once you work through it, genuinely work through it, you can put that in your pocket and you have that in your arsenal now. You have that ammo, that protection from like, you know, the 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 idea of failure. You're like, well, I worked through it and I can do this now. I know, you know, you get through school and you know certain things and you know it. No one can take that away. And it's the same thing in in sports for for me. So those days that I'm like confused and my body's like not listening, and I know that one day I'll be comfortable in that same same place. And I've just built so much trust for that process. I can totally hear it. Yeah, yeah. You, you really do trust the process. Yeah, and you trust yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. What else is there? Have you ever had what you would say was a transformative moment? whether it's in your sport or in life? And if so, what was it? There have been a lot of, of little moments, but there were some times when I was pretty young where I made some big decisions and I took them seriously. And, you know, moving to California, I had a lot of responsibilities at 13 years old. I had basically had to do well in contests to stay in California, to put it simply. Yeah. We didn't have money, you know, to do that. So... The contests were very important. So making that decision, even though it wasn't something that happened to me, it was kind of all of a sudden it was time. And so that more than transformed, I think, set a path and kind of like at a place where I could have chosen left or right, I kind of went straight and I think that hardened me a lot in the process because I haven't gone anywhere since that day. You know what I mean? Yep. So less than like a transforming moment, it's more like 
there's some been some pivotal decision making times shedding some sponsors yeah that was another one that's a lifestyle choice yes and there's no going yeah, back sure. i'm either gonna be running around trying to please pe- please companies and things and do what i want and do what they want or i'm not this middle ground makes no one happy it's gonna end in disaster and so it's like I think that was like a huge shaping, a huge transformation moment, a huge shaping moment that I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't know, but I knew it felt right. And then staying consistent in that now four years later, I'm like, have a sponsor that believes in that. And I have some new tricks that kind of came from being a little bit unique and I have different stickers on my helmet than the rest of the guys, and I have a different lifestyle, and it, it's starting to really show. And it's only been, you know, four years, which I think to a lot of people, especially at 22, like four years, oh, my God. <laughs> it's a very short right. amount of time, yeah. you know. You know, I've been competing 10 years, and I'm just kind of figuring out. I've been consistent enough, but it's like I'm just kind of, and I'll get I'll get knocked back, and I know I will. I'm gonna take fat L's, <laughs> huge losses, and it's gonna be tough because of how hard I work. Mm. But it's just it is what it is, you know. Just, just trying, trying to. So those 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 moments, those two, I think, stick out to me a lot. And it's funny because neither of those are external, mm. right? It's funny, like, I realize that it's just, like, decisions that I made. But, I mean, I guess, unless it's a traumatic experience, that's going to be what transformations kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of self-awareness. Um, I, you do. You do. You, you know yourself really well, not just as an athlete, but, but as a human being. Yeah, I try to. I mean, I'm, lear- I'm young, so I'm still learning a lot, you know. We all are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Which leads me to the last question. So in like 30 seconds or less, what have you learned about yourself in your particular sport in, as being a skateboarder? Man, what, I, what I've learned about myself, just having fun and staying consistent, like practicing for consistency over perfection is going to be so much better for longevity and staying safe and healthy and keep pushing forward is kind of the, the rhythm you got to keep in whatever you do because if you look for anything else it's just gonna fizzle out it's gonna be a flash in the pan great answer i've learned a lot about you in our conversation um, and i'm sure people listening will feel like they did as well and i think you've shared a lot about just your mindset that um will open a lot of a, a lot of eyes which is great thank you so much for your time this is a you. great conversation i really awesome. appreciate it well, it got dark, so I couldn't see my watch anymore. But um, no, seriously, Mitch, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's nice to meet you and talk to you. Good to talk to you. This has been Manage the Moment with Dr. Shep. Life is a collection of moments. It's how you manage those moments that makes the difference. My thanks again to Mitchie Brusco for a look not only at his accomplishments and his pursuit of continued excellence, but for the wisdom that he has gained as he has made some difficult decisions along the way. And thank you for listening. For more information about the Manage the Moment podcast, you can see the episode notes for this broadcast. And you can follow us on social media, and I'm on Twitter at Dr. Shep. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and sharing these moments with us. Until next time. On the next episode of Manage the Moment, we will be chatting with five-time esports world champion Stephanie Harvey. She has many things to say not only about esports, but as an innovator, as a game designer, and as an advocate. I think the internet should be like sex. Sex is in schools, and we teach these kids how to have good relationships and why sex can be dangerous, but why you're going to have sex your whole life, most likely, and why it should be a fun experience. And we teach that very young to make sure that people understand the limits, right? We don't do that for the internet, but the internet is the same thing. You're going to have, most of the time, a positive experience, but you might get hurt. Like, it's the same thing for me as sex, and we need to understand the consequences really young before it's too late. You can subscribe to the Manage the Moment podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you choose to subscribe and listen to podcasts. Until next time.